We're back. Yes, we're back. Back again. Back again. So long story. Uh, TLDR. Um, hi, I'm Scott. That's uh, welcome back to Twelve for a Penny. Hope you missed us. We're back. It's so much worse than you guys could ever imagine. <laughs> if only you knew how hard it really was. <laughs> it, it truly, truly is. So uh there's also kind of a lost episode that's floating out around there right now um that we are trying to get back so if you tuned in expecting to see something it's going to be something completely different so but anyway welcome back to 12 for a penny um we are going to jump right into this because i have a feeling this one might run long tonight uh the album seth gave me was danny brown's triple x triple x before i go into this review i have a a brief statement that i want to make um i listened to this record i listened to it again i came home and i wrote the review i did no online anything on it at all i didn't look at lyrics i didn't look at anything because i had a lot of thoughts about the album did the review went back started looking some stuff up there are at least two reviews that are almost exactly what i'm going to say tonight whoa okay i'm a hack but I'm not a plagiarizing hack. <laughs> so I promise, I swear to St. Lombardi that these thoughts are mine and mine alone. And if you do happen to see another review out there that's similar to it, that was their reviews. This one was mine. I promise you I didn't steal anything from anybody. So it was kind of eerie. Um, there's one on... Uh, I don't remember the website that is a track by track thing and it's eerie how similar it is so i just want to get that out there normally i don't care but there's a couple reviews that are damn near like verbatim what i'm gonna say so i uh, just wanted to get that out there that this is these are my thoughts and my thoughts alone on this one so um going on to this album so listening to it you know throwing it in um the production on it is is it's pretty amazing uh it's a it's a really different sound um but it sounds familiar and there's tons of chopped up stuff i mean i get that there's you know samples that have been used in other songs anything and and that you know was common but it was a a real kind of like 90s vibe that sounded really cool comes out of the gates triple x boom i mean certified banger can't i mean it's it, it's a certified banger um die like a rock star was really interesting to listen to because of all the shout outs and it was kind of depressing too um that all those people are gone and the a lot of those people were people from my generation um you know plaque blood interesting lines radio song really really funny uh really smart um intentionally ironic i wrote on there and i've got the black and yellow black and emo line really really killer line on it. a lot of funny stuff i was glad that i went back and read the lyrics to it because there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting stuff that he just had to say on it um skip it around a little bit i will the junior soprano tribute song um <laughs> and just a brief aside on that i read that people were pissed that she hulk spoiled the sopranos for them wait, 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 wait. yeah hilarious bit on she hulk great show by the way and if you're negatively reviewing it because it's a female lead talk to somebody okay please um it's a good show it's really funny Wait, wait, wait. Uh, She-Hulk, spoiler Sopranos. Yeah, I've heard nothing of this. Oh yeah, there are people that are just up in arms about it. 
Um, I'm not going to repeat, spoil it, <laughs> but there's a really funny line that a character says on it. And one of the characters is like, oh my God, you just spoiled that for me. And people were actually posting online about how irresponsible it was for She-Hulk to spoil The Sopranos 15 years after the show ended. That's pretty if, sick. That's if sick you have one. if you have an issue with that, get the hell out of here. All right. Um, I don't want to you know spoil something else, but the Titanic sinks. So if you have a problem with that, get over yourselves. Anyway, um, I will say this from six through 12 um i was driving actually when i was listening to to those tracks um i would not have listened to the rest of the album at that point in time um i thought it was incredibly repetitive i thought it was lazy i thought it was misogynistic i thought it was violent um and i'll i'll, I'll circle back to that in a moment uh if i didn't have to listen to the album i would have turned it off at that point in time uh but it was the reason that I hated rap when I was into rap, when I got into just strictly that. Uh, and I, I wasn't clutching pearls. The album's called Triple X for Christ's sakes. I knew what I was kind of getting into to a certain effect. Um, but that was probably uh, the one of the one of the larger generational gaps on albums that you have given me. Uh, that, you know, the first two or three cuts. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, there was a lot of good stuff on it. Um, and come just to a point uh the his voice and his style and the rapping and all that um it is it's different but it's it wasn't off-putting um i did enjoy it kind of get into the i don't know if the concept is all the drug use and that's why the voice is like it is and that's why the album does what it does and it's why it's paced what it is it very well could be um i i I kind of doubt that to a bit. The voice thing, I think probably yes, to a degree that that is a character on that. Um, but there was there was a solid 20, 20 some minutes where it was, this is 20 minutes of my life I'm never getting back. Um, and that I would never tell any of my friends you should go listen to this record because it was, to me, it's just trash. Um, then as I'm getting out of the car, DNA comes on. So I'm like, okay, a little different, a little more serious, a little slowed down. Um, nosebleed made me set up and take, as I, I was pulling in the driveway, nosebleed actually, I, I set up and I sat in the car listening to it. Um, so this is a freaking really good song on that. Um, Party All the Time comes on, really good song, telling a real, a really good story. Uh, not a good story, but but telling a story. Um, the rap style is obviously completely different. Um, I wrote down in my notes, like 30 is a really old school song. Anybody could have, that could have been Nas, that could have been Jay-Z, that could have been Biggie, that could have been Pac, that could have been anybody. Um, that's a really good rap song. So this part of the album to me kicked ass. Mm -hmm. I really liked this. I really liked this part of the album. And again, this is the, the generational gap on it. This sound is like stuff that I'm more familiar with. Um, I didn't know people broke into houses and stole stuff literally out of houses um, the way that they did that. But again, that sounded like something that I might have been listening to in the, in the early 90s. It was that. 
Would it is the perfect example of a generational thing. That's what I think when you guys go to a club. And if I was 21, I would have known every lyric to that song. I would have gone batshit nuts when it came on. If I was at a concert and they were doing it, I'm sure the mosh would the mosh pit would explode on that. Just the way it's timed, the way it's sequenced, the way there's the call outs in it, the way that it's funny. And then I look and it doesn't really have that many streams. Would so it? that's a that's a yeah, would it? So that's a song that I like that I think, oh, this is what the kids are are out there listening to. That's the the, the stereotype, I guess I have it. But when I hear the song, I know if I was your age, I would be blasting that song at parties. And so that's the that's the style of it. So kind of circling back to it, and I have a couple questions for you too. Um, the latter the latter part of the album is a really strong record. Um, the the first part of the album, the very beginning of it, I, I enjoyed the beginning of it. The middle section, like I said, is a waste of my life. I'll never get that time back. I thought it was absolutely trash. Thought it was terrible. Um, and that being said, there's a couple of funny lines in it too. But it's just, I don't need to listen to violence against women and misogynistic shit. And you can say it's about the drug culture. And I know a lot of people talked about that, and that's why the album is what it is, and that's why he raps like it is. And if that's the case, and if this is a concept album on par with Pet Sounds, I give him all the credit in the world. I thought the album was too long. Uh, I thought there was too many, there was way too many songs. Like I said, you could have gone from I Will to Outer Space. The beat on Outer Space was awesome. I, I will say that the that beats that beats incredible. That's that's a really cool beat. Um I, I just don't buy all of it that this is this this massive grand concept album, and that could be me being completely wrong. Um, that being said, this is one of those where I think, again, as I said before, this is probably the biggest generational gap of a record that you have given me. Um, before, I would have said it was JPEG Mafia, but even people my age can listen to that and hear some stuff that at least it's it's exciting and it does kind of hook you in because you hear so many different samples and so many different things that there's something to listen to where like quite literally for 20 minutes in this album, I completely turned it out, tuned it out. Um, I am really glad I finished the record though. I'm really glad about that. So that being said, um, so why did you give me this record? I gave you this record because Danny Brown <laughs> in the rappers that are because this came out in 2010, I believe. I believe it was 2010 or 2012. It's it's older than I always think it is. Um, sorry, it's 2011. Um, yeah. Whenever Danny, Danny Brown stands out because this was at a time that uh, people like I mean, Death Grips had just made a record, but they weren't making waves like Danny Brown was. And it, I mean, the record came out when he was 30. And I it really, was yeah, which is also why it's called triple X. Cause it's triple X is, you know, 30. The Roman oh, that's, really su that's surprising. It, it is. Um, but I was debating between this and atrocity exhibition because I really do like um, Danny Brown. And I was trying to figure out what record would be the most Danny Brown one to give you. And I figured it'd be this one because Danny's music, uh, this afterwards, because his mix hit before this is like fine, and there's a mix hit after this that's like okay. There's like it's there's a lot of there's some radio tracks in there, and one of his best songs, Resamples Tribe, is on there, and so that's a but it isn't like that 
deep or that conceptual. And I find this record to be very Danny Brownie, where especially now, like with his last project and even Atrocity Exhibition, um, he is constantly toying with this idea. He's always going between these ideas of like the the street life, like the crime, the drugs, and like being mature. And his last record's really about like coming to terms with having to be mature. And in all of his radio appearances and stuff and interviews, he's like talking about, like, I can't make fucking dance music anymore. I'm damn near 40. Like, I can't fuck around like that anymore. I can't be bouncing around <laughs> on stage and shit. And so I, this is maybe my favorite Danny Brown record. Maybe it's not, but, and I am in agreement with you on the middle half. I usually skip Blunt After Blunt. I usually skip uh, Bruiser Brigade in Detroit 187. Um, just because I think those songs can go. But the mid- the middle half for me lags too. But that like split, that like split between these songs in the beginning are kind of, even though like they're all bangers and especially in the middle, it gets like very, very drug positive, like gangster music. But then with the hard turn at DNA, I figured you would, uh, I knew that you would appreciate the second half more because there's much more storytelling and songwriting uh, flexing going on as far mm-hmm. as like, a narrative um but that's why i gave it to you because in in it mixes a lot of like newer styles of production with some older chopped up stuff but he also i find that he rhymes and raps the way that i imagine older rappers would with like a lot of setup and punchline bars not a lot of like fancy mm-hmm. wordplay he's got some double entendres especially with the uh leader mind bent hanging on it every cent and on the start of the next bar, that's one of my fucking favorite Danny Brown moments ever. Um, but yeah, I just think if this is like the, the quintessential Danny Brown record, I would say. And I just wanted to introduce you to Danny Brown because he's a very unique figure in hip hop. So the, um, yeah, the like nosebleeds into party all the time. But those are two, that, those are two great rap songs. I mean, for sure. And I mean, and DNA is too. I mean, that, that, that run of those five or six songs. Um, but again, that's what I'm, what I'm accustomed to. You know, that's kind of more the rap that I'm familiar with. And like I said, then when I heard Wit It, I was like, this thing, this thing would be a, an explosion at something because it's just, it's sequenced perfectly. The lyrics are funny. There's callback, you know, there's call outs to pop stars in it. And again, that's what, I guess probably my generation pictures when you guys go to like concerts and stuff like that, that's what, that's what they're doing for two hours, you know, for, and somehow you can keep up to it. But I do want to touch on something. And one of the questions I have is one of the reviews that I, that I listened to, um, they again mentioned death grips and compared it and compared it to a death grips album esque. Um, is everyone compared to death grips? And if not, why are they not the biggest band in the world? Every okay, wait. Quick side note about Wit It. Wit It, Baseline, and Shouldn't Have are on the deluxe record. But whenever you look up Triple X on Spotify, the deluxe is the first one that pops up. Okay, I I thought that I specifically didn't listen to that, but that might have been the one that I listened to. No, I it it might have because I like I was saying earlier, I've only listened to the deluxe version and didn't realize it until I was reading about it on Wikipedia after I gave it to you. Because I always found it weird that baseline is after nosebleeds. Michael, like, that makes no sense as far as sequencing goes. It makes no sense to get back into the party music. But um, to touch on the death grips thing, because I think that I think that there is a through line that is an apt comparison enough. Um, 
because the Death Grips ex-military was their, and you might get ex-military because ex-military is fucking awesome. But in the first, especially the first three Death Grips music or albums, a lot of their songs lyrically are insanely dark. And it isn't just rapping, like there's rappers, like even gangster rappers rapping about mugging people. But MC Rye is rapping about having people hanging in his basement, ankles tied to cinder blocks. Um, it's a lot of, it's not like horrorcore and some of it could be considered shock. But I think whenever it came out, the way people interpreted it in the way that I usually do is that they see the hip hop scene and they see that it's about violence and drugs and all this stuff. And then they just turn that notch to a point where it's like almost self-parody while still like keeping hard, like still rapping good and still banging production, but just turning it up to a point where it's so that hard in that direction that it is satirical. And so I think, I think Danny is aware, especially on a song like Blunt After Blunt, where that song is so repetitive and so fucking like it makes me nauseous the song makes me nauseous and i don't know i you can make a song with getting the point across that it's repetitive while still making a good song and <coughs> so i'm not gonna say that it's entirely on purpose but i do think there parts of this record are played up to 11 to emphasize the message of the second half whenever he's getting reflective about like the problems of all this, of, the, of this lifestyle and what, when it catches up with you. And so I understand that comparison and comparing it to death Grips by saying it's like, so hardcore that it's like satirical almost. I, I, I get, I get that aspect, but as far as production, this isn't anywhere near as wild as some death grips production is not even by a long shot. Um, and to hit back on something too, uh, that, I, I did kind of feel in the first part of the album, because I actually wrote down Eminem kind of on a part of it, that it was that the high pitch thing was kind of a Slim Shady-esque kind of a style of a character from a, from another character. So, yeah, I, I touched on that, too, that it did kind of sound, you know, it sounded like something that was that was familiar. And I would say that it was sort of sort of comparable to that and and not in a bad way whatsoever. It's just that it was a character on it. Mm-hmm. So I guess the, the other question that I would have for you is because the one review that I read of it, and again, maybe I'm not smart enough to figure it out. So do you believe this is, this was done as like this giant concept album where it came out, everything was like going a thousand million miles an hour and that's the Adderall and, and the party scene and the drug life. And then there's the 180 immediately that is the come down um i mean do you think that 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 was the concept for this album and i'm just i'm giving it short shrift when it comes to that no 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 i i definitely i definitely do think it is a concept album in that way but the the only thing that annoys me is that if this was a double lp if this was a an lp it isn't sequenced in a way where you flip it at the i think it's at the end of adderall admiral he ends it with just play it back he just played this back and smoke to it and so I thought that if this was a double, if the second side of this record was actually like this self-reflective thing about drug culture, and he's telling them to just put the record back and smoke to the first half, that'd be really fucking funny, which it might be. I do think that the 180 thing is definitely on purpose, and that is probably why I gave it to you, because I know you like a good concept album. But I do, like, even that being said, I do think that Bruiser Brigade and Blunt After Blunt 
are so repetitive and I just also don't dig them that much that I can appreciate the concept part of it and I can appreciate the sequencing of it, but I also don't want to excuse Bruce Brigade because even though if you're doing a concept record, that's you can still make it. You don't have to put a song that's that repetitive on there. Even if that's the point, I still don't like... I get the point of funny games, but it's still a fucking miserable movie. I get it, but it's still yeah, and, the movie's miserable. You know, the you cut you cut four or five tracks, make it a tight forty nine minutes, fifty minutes, and nothing's lost if those songs are gone off the album. That's just no one's missing any of that if that's gone if those are gone from the album. Um, but uh, so going back, I guess to kind of like tie a bow up on it um it, sound quality wise production wise everything like that it's it's rather it's rather amazing when it comes to that um and i know I'm, I'm, i might be wrong here but there's a couple of the more like grime tracks that are on the earlier the albums where it's really fuzzy and really um i think it was probably played backwards and and run through some of that stuff um so there's a few different styles of it uh he is a really good rapper uh there's no question about that i don't find the high-pitched voice annoying whatsoever he's funny um when he's not trying to go completely over the top on some of the stuff he is funny and when he's serious he's dead serious um like i said the the, the second half of the album is is actually really really good um so you know i'm glad i'm glad that you gave me the album I'm glad i got to listen to it because it's not often that i'm challenged that much by by a record like this where like i like i literally got to a point where i hated it like i, I like i literally hated it and i you know you talk use homework you know homework album um, where I would have turned it off if I didn't have to listen to it, but then I would have missed the second half of the album. So, you know, I would say if that's if that's what he was going for and that was the concept and all that, then Chef's Kiss, man, it was, <laughs> you know, you pulled it off. But um, yeah, there's a lot of talent there. And I know that there was a lot of stuff that that I read about the album later that, um, you know, the backstory of it was really cool, that it was, you know, Twitter beats and it was a free download for people. And that's how they really push it out there. And it was like, you know, is there an album? Is it a mixtape? Is it a glorified mixtape? You know, all that. So that's cool. I mean, you know, good, good for the guy to hustle it. And I saw it did have, um, you know, there, that there was actually a lot of people that really praised it uh, when it came out. And there were some people that were kind of eh about it. But, you know, I mean, it's, there's a shitload of streams on it when I looked up the streams on the album. So it's obviously left a mark on it. So it put um, it on the map. Yeah. So no, interesting. And that's kind of the, I guess, kind of the, punk type of rap that's out there he's and he's definitely a punk he's definitely punky in especially in this time he was very punky about doing it because he tells stories about like the uh party 50 cent he was like trying to get signed the 50 cents fucking like record label and 50 cent was like he, this guy's wearing skinny jeans and has dumb teeth and a weird fucking haircut i don't want this guy like he's like they're all gonna think you're gay i'm not gonna put you on my on my label and he said no one no one listened to his shit before he started rapping like yelping like that. But it also that does help accentuate when he's being serious and he's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my that's my thoughts. Agree, disagree, drop a comment, tell me how old I am. So that's what I felt about this record. Oh I've got I've got a quick funny aside I learned just the other day. Somebody on the Danny Brown podcast on the Your Mom's House Network on Spotify. Ask Danny, where did the Bruiser Brigade thing come from? And you're not going to believe this. So this guy was playing video games. And he was playing a little game 
called Ultimate Alliance on his Xbox. Nice. And, and you know how whenever you get certain characters together, they got little flashy little names like they the Loudmouths and the Bruisers and stuff? Uh-huh. Bruiser Brigade was the name of an Ultimate Alliance group on that game, which is how he got Bruiser Brigade. He thought it sounded dope. All, it all cycles back, doesn't it? It all cycles back. It all cycles back. And the thought of a like 25 year old Danny Brown playing Ultimate Alliance is a very funny image. Very, very funny image. Yeah, Seth and Seth Luke and I used to play Ultimate Alliance all the time. The all the Lord. time. That was the yeah, first so. game I really played. That was the first yeah. real game I played. Fucking awesome. It was, it was a multiplayer game, so we could all play it. So we played the hell out of it back back in the day. Fucking awesome game. All right. So the album that I gave Seth with much trepidation um, was Tim by The Replacements. Um, I gave this album to him because he knows I'm a huge Replacements fan. Depending on which day of the week, I might tell you this is my favorite album of all time. Um, side note to the two Matt's fans that might actually ever see this. If you go with Let It Be, I got no argument. None. Personal preference. But no argument if you think Let It Be is better than Tim. Um, if you enjoy this video and you decide to listen to it, um, listen to Let It Be. Because it's a great freaking record too. Um, but my trepidation is this is an album that I hold in extremely high regard. I've seriously, at worst, it's in my top five albums of all time. Um, and so I just wanted to see what the boy actually thought about it without his dad's shading on it. So take it away, son. Tim, a record by a band called The Replacements. So, um, it's probably not my top five of all time. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll just say that, but. I've listened to this record, you know, often just because I remember you introduced me to it around the time I was watching Lost. So this is like 2012 is when I got introduced to it. I remember I remember constantly listening to this followed by that Mamas and Papas song from Lost. Um, something that I got from it this time very loudly and clearly that I hadn't gotten before was when I first listened to it uh, younger and wasn't paying that much attention to it is I just kind of thought of it as like a uh, punky kind of rock record. I didn't, what didn't come through that comes through in spades now is their sensitivity. It's not really just like a punk rock heart. Like that, that is there on some tracks, but it seems much more, um, you know, it's, it's much more, I, I say sincere, like on every fucking record that I get, but it, there's a lot of sincerity on it. And there's a lot of sensitivity and it isn't this like brooding cool guy energy on lyrically on a lot of it. Um, but that came through way more on, on this listen through. And there are some songs on here that aren't skips, but whenever I would listen, would listen to it just regularly, I wouldn't, you it would be highlights for me. Um, those being um, Al Bai and a dose of thunder and lay it down clown. I don't really dig lay down clown too much. I mean, it makes sense ish in the second half of the record. I get it. Um, those thunder is fun. Um, it's very glammy, which I'm assuming is on purpose. It's very, it, it gives me big, uh, reminds me of, of glam rocky stuff. And mm. I'll buy is funny. It's very funny and witty. It's very clever. And the vocal performance on it is really good. I do like the way he delivers a lot of those vocals on it, but the highlights on it are where it really shines. 
um it's it's so funny because on the same record where bastards of young is on there's a song like kiss me on the bus which is mm-hmm. just and left of the dial which i'll get in that song later because i think that's my favorite song on the record um it's similar in ways to um lear like uh thematically in big like the big star record which obviously they were big fans of each other yeah um where there's some songs where it's like yeah we're having fun and then other songs are like these little love songs and kiss me on the bus is one of them where the whole record has like sonically this brooding energy to it but you listen to a song like that and it's literally just him crushing which is pretty hilarious and but okay Regardless of what all I said, Hold My Life is a great opener and really sets the tone where it it comes hard right at the gate with these rock guitars and this he's yelling and shouting vocally. He, there isn't a lot. He's singing, obviously, but it's very loud and in your face. But he's like fucking crying for help on the first song is he's like this cool, badass guy. But he's like, I have no fucking idea what I'm doing. No one's giving me any advice. Fucking hold that is maybe lyrically the strongest song on the record where he's saying hold my life because i i just might die like i don't know what to do with it so i need you to take my fucking life for me out of my hands because i'm a i'm a dummy and but it that that song's killer that song's killer kiss me on the bus it's a pretty little love song with these guitars and this brooding atmosphere but the waitress in the sky is again kind of just this it, it, it reminded me there's some mel there's some weird vocal melodies going on that reminds me of like beach boys vocal melodies where there's like little stuff in the background backing them up mm-hmm. but the song itself structure wise reminds me of like some of the more simple Beatles songs where they just take like a single concept and just kind of write a song like there's anything super crazy going on it's just him like taking this concept of a stewardess and just writing it in a not a snarky way, just kind of like adding stuff, just adding to it, just adding to the idea of being a waitress in the sky and just writes about it. And then of course, I'm not, sorry. I'm not, I'm not going to jump in a lot on this, um, but that particular song I'm going to jump in on. Um, that's the first replacement song I ever heard. Was really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, my sister played it for me. And that was the first, that was the first Matt's. I thought it was so funny. Um, it is funny. And then I thought it was like so punk. And then I found out that he wrote it for his sister, who was a flight attendant, <laughs> and that that's the shit that she dealt with all the time. But yeah, that was that was my introducement to the mats. So it wasn't Gary's got a boner, Tommy got his tonsils out, or anything off Hootenanny or any of that. It was it was waitress in the sky. That was my introduction to the mats. So continue please it's funny that you call that a punky song i find that song so not punk at all it's just like this cute because everything's so simple about it and he's just strumming along it, it is very funny that it's it because it, now i i read the sister thing it does feel like a younger brother negging his sister for having this goofy job he's like you're not shit you're just a fucking you're still a waitress you're still playing you dummy well he said that was the shit that she would that she would take from people that that's what they would say they would say that kind of shit to her and you know he's basically he wants to be an asshole like they are in first class basically he's the whole gist of it but that's and, and on that song there's that very funny your sign says no smoking mine says sorry i'm smoking that's a very yeah. very funny little line but 
to get into the meat of the record, the second half. This is the you on a lot of the records that we've talked about. You're a big second half kind of guy. This is the first one where the second half so clearly fucking takes the cake. It's starting with Swing and Party, which I heard first as a Lord cover on the deluxe version of Pure Heroin. And Swing and Party, okay, I said the left left of the dial is my favorite song, but I reckon that Swing and Party, I think, is the best song on the record because hmm. Mr. It's Paul curious. writes his ass off. Um, there's a lot of cheeky turns of phrases on it. Yeah. But to name this song Swingin' Party and then to have it be about uh, pretending to be a tough guy when you really have no idea what you're doing, being terrified of your fame, being terrified of being on stage. I saw that and on the on the Genius Liner Notes, they were talking to him and people would ask, like, how would we – people ask, how do you have so much confidence to get on stage? He's like, we would get fucking yeah. wasted. We would get wasted and get on stage. That's, that's not – in. And he knows this. And he's coming to terms with it. And if being afraid is a crime, we hang side by side at the swinging party down the line is a tremendous fucking chorus. And his like breathy, echoey, like defeated delivery of all the lyrics is tremendous. Because it, it like the swinging party is a, a gat the gallows is what it is. And I saw people interpreting it like a suicide. And it's like, no, no, no. They're saying that if capital pun if it was a capital punishment to be afraid they would all be sentenced to death which is incredible and to do it in a in that poetic of a way where it's nuanced and it's not like some of the some like bad rate like a radiohead wannabe band writing something like that it doesn't work but in this it is wonderful it's very it's very poetic and i would I would love to hear a Lord fan's thoughts on this song, not knowing it's a cover. I would, I would, I would love to. So if anyone's watching and you are, you know, a Lord fan and that was your introduction to the song, I would love to, to hear what you thought about uh, what you thought the song was about and what you thought it was. Um, because, you know, it's funny. This is, you know, again, a crossover moment for you and I. Mm -hmm. um that you know this is again why we do the show you know it's a generational thing but i would just be extremely curious to see how someone who has no idea who paul westerberg is or or what the band was about or anything what their thoughts would be on this song and how how they took it um because one thing about the mats that i think um that the fans are is you know they were a band that that the lyrics um connected to to them at that particular age group, which which everyone has that happen to them. That's why you love a certain band. And I'd be really curious to see what a Lord fan, uh, what what they thought about what the song meant to them or how how it related to them. So, uh, yeah, but yeah, a, a, again, an, a, a great pun um, just in the whole song, but a deadly serious song. And yeah, they were, you know, raging drunks that sabotaged themselves every chance they could, um, kind of like this show. And um, that was the, uh, you know, and, and again, it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful song. I think it's fantastic that, you know, that Lord covers it and it gets so, you know, 49 million streams because people want to know what it was about. So good on her. It, it, it is really funny because this, the whole record is screams of like disenchanted generation 
in the lore record, a lot of tonally is similar in the way that it's a lot about being disenchanted with your generation, the generations prior to you. And so it's weird that tonally it works on both the albums. And all I could think about was every fucking generation's disenchanted. Every fucking, no one's happy with the time they were born ever. And they all don't like the generation that produced them. And that's just the fucking way it goes. Every Which kind of leads directly into the next song on the album. Which is the which is the highlight? It's the highlight. It's the standout track because it's so big, and and I, I will say that um, the only other song prior to this that sounds as big as this is kind of the build up on Kiss Me on the Bus with those drums coming in the second half and the uh, tambourine or fucking sleigh bells, whatever the fuck that instrument is when it kind of picks up. But Bastards of Young is probably the song that I would assume casual fans of the replacements would know because it's the most popular and that's for good reason it is a it's a song i've heard the most by them although reading the fucking lyrics i did not know they were saying wait on the sons of no one and i swear to christ i kept thinking he was saying woody guthrie save us we've got no one to name us that's what i thought he was saying and i was like (laughs) Okay, I guess they like. I thought they liked pot. I didn't realize that <laughs> it wasn't that at all. So that was a bit of a good reason to return to it. But regardless, sorry, my screens went off. Um, it's the highlight on the record. It's not my favorite song on the record, but it is. I mean, the opening lyric is a heartbreaker it is i mean this could this shouldn't have been the opener but this is like where it all kind of comes together stefan missed the whole first wrong did <laughs> yeah god what a mess and the ladder of success when you take one step and you miss the whole first rung. yeah also in, just interesting and again I, I will shut up so this is the last five hours um generation x hadn't been permed yet and this was Generation X kind of like a rebel without a clue hadn't really been termed yet until Tom Petty adapted that. Um, but yeah, now I will say to you, I didn't know for years that it was weight on the sons of no one, which actually is a better line than we are the sons of no one. It's a um, biblical fucking call out. It's a yeah. call out the fucking Bible. Yeah. It's a great line. Um, live they do sing we are the sons of no one sometimes they do and they also um sink in um norway sometimes instead of no one because there's a huge norwegian population in in minneapolis Um, they they do sink that in there sometimes um i thought that it was willingness willingness to claim us for a long time until i read the lyrics i don't know maybe 10 years ago and found it was warrantless to claim us um on that i didn't know that so i i'd sing the song a billion times I say, on genius uh, it still says unwillingness to claim us it's different on different sites um i actually went to, i actually went to a replacement site but that being said is they changed their lyrics and songs constantly live part of being drunk part of being bored um and part of he just like rewrote songs sometimes um but so yeah so there's I, I guarantee it's been sung multiple times, multiple ways. But yeah, that was I didn't I didn't know it either. I sang it wrong for for years. Um, the one the one thing that I'll jump in on this one too, and I don't mean to step on your toes here. Um, 
the ones who love us best are the ones we'll lay to rest and visit their graves on holidays at best. The ones who love us least are the ones we'll die to please. If it's any consolation, I can't begin to understand them. And that's true. And that's a gut punch. And uh, it's, it's, again, it's, I, I love Paul Westerberg as the lyricist. I, I, I mean, I, I freaking worship him. I wish I could write. I actually wrote down here, this is, I wish I could write this song. This, I wish I could write something like this. Um, but this was, this was it for me after I got to hear the mats again, because I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the, of the early stuff. I'm not, I mean, I've listened to it a million times. It's not my favorite. Um, but this, this was, this was the introduction of, okay, this is who these guys are. And when I heard this, I was playing in a band and this is what I wanted my band to sound like. And this is the kind of music I wanted to do. And I just wasn't talented enough to do it. And that's what hurt the most is I had these thoughts. I just couldn't write them like this. And uh, that this is why I love this band. I think, I think part, because going back and listening to this, it like the rebel without a cause that is what this song is it's like the anthem of the disenfranchised the disenfranchised youth that's just i mean it's bastards of young he's like we're just the bastard children of this whole generation and it isn't even just like of these parents it's our generation is a bastard of the generation prior because they had us and we're all like fuck this and now no one wants to claim us and so coming back to it now It, like most of the quintessential stuff from previous generations, this sentiment has just, I mean, that this, that what is, that's what culture is now, is the sentiment this song brings. And so it's, I mean, I'll never be able to listen to it with fresh ears, but I can only imagine that in this time when it came out, it must have been like someone fucking said it someone finally fucking put a bow on it and wrote it into this wonderful song. But it, it's moments like this where it really does pay to think about it contextually and historically and how it fits into when it fit in because every other song carries this same idea of like just kicking rocks and like starting trouble because what else are you going to do? We're just confused and no one wants us. And so that is part of this song of me revisiting me revisiting it again what it does but there are still i mean the the lyrics still ring as fucking true as ever income tax reduction what hell is a function elvis in the ground no way he'll be here tonight dude we still fucking hate elvis clean your baby room trash that baby, room. baby room. it beats it beats pick and cotton is fucking awesome because it's it's like a uh it's like a reply to people saying, oh, well, it could be, don't complain. It could be worse. And he's like, well, yeah, it, it beats picking cotton. It, be, it beats being a fucking slave. It, it is better than that. Yeah, you're right. But it could be a whole lot fucking better, buddy. It is, uh, th this song is tremendous. It's just, it isn't my favorite solely because it is the one I've heard the most. Um, mm -hmm. It also, funny enough, um, some more of the songs that are in this vein seem to be more of like, yeah we're proud of what we are but none of this record most of the send like the the tone on this record is like this is where we're at but we 
fucking trade it to be happy. We trade it to have like structure in a heartbeat because it isn't like this victorious, like, yeah, we love what we are. They're just like, this is what we are. And we aren't, mm. we are not happy about it. We're just kind of making the best out of a shitty situation that we're in. Yeah. And I, and I love the fact that, you know, because every teenager feels this way. I mean, it's just part of growing up. And it's just, you know, the other kind of the funny part of the song is, is like, we don't really have anything to rage against. You know, there's, there's nothing that's really gone on, because this was like the longest time we've been without a war or anything like that. And it's like, we're just, I I mean, we're just kind of here and like our parents, you know, they're just, and, and his mom actually, you probably read that too, but, you know, his mom actually she went into labor early so she could get the deduction in December instead of January um, for that. And that clearly stuck with him. But so that's kind of the funny part about it too, is we don't know what we're raging against, but we got to rage. So something we got to rage about something. So, and that is interesting that this is 85 when it comes out, because this is a guy that grew up listening to protest rock anthems from the sixties, listening to fucking Dylan. And then it's like, they had such a clear, beautiful way of Like they had something even if it's like, you know, the idea of a war, at least there was a war, but it, now they're just like these neutered, can, like they don't have anything to fucking, like they're, it's just, I mean, it's just angst. It's just angst is what it is. Um, and it is funny listening to a song and then it's like, damn, dude, I know Julian Casablanca's heard this shit. I know Arctic Monkeys heard this shit. Kiss Me On My Bus sounds like it should be a Stroke song. I mean, the Stroke should cover that song. It's very, and a lot of, the songs on this is like you hear echoes of you know other rock music from the time i know fucking i know that that uh will toledo from carsey hydress knows this shit for sure yeah i you know again i hold this band in the highest regard highest regard um this this band influenced so 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 freaking many people during that time um and you know if they weren't and if, if you don't know the mythology of the replacements i won't get into it um they really were you can't call it tragic because i think they got you because i mean they had deaths in the band and stuff which is really sad considering the last song on the album um but they did everything they could to self-sabotage themselves everything parts of it hilarious um if you want to read the mythology of the trouble boys um and just the epic ways they went to screw themselves and short circuit themselves just because they were so lacking confidence and they were so scared of success um watch their saturday night live performance it's on youtube it's epic they got banned from the show um or watch the video for bastards of young which is one of the greatest fu videos this was their major label debut they had struggled and they got a major label review uh, debut for this they actually put money they actually did pressers for them um that's always how i've interpreted hold my life is like they don't know what to do they actually have they actually have something that they have to they have to be successful they have to perform and they don't know how to do it but um if you want to 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 people set stage that that are watching this if you want to find like one of the punkiest bands in the world, um, just kind of do a quick deep dive on the mats uh, and watch the SNL performance. It's freaking great. 
watch the video for Bastards of Young when videos meant everything back then. And the video is a shot of a speaker because they were contractually obligated to make a video and they didn't want to. So they shot a speaker for the entire time. Um, they just did everything they could to not be successful. And uh, that's kind of why, why I love them so much and kind of why they're like kind of tragic heroes um, in their own story. But, uh, you know, I, I, ironically enough, I actually did a Bastards of Young move today. We were supposed to make this like about us video for this club I'm in, a video club where it's like a campaign thing. And I was running for president and I just we, we couldn't appear in our own video. That was the only stipulation. So I took a two minute static shot of me walking toward the house with myself blurred out and turned that in and there's no dialogue just me walking i took the piss and the but these guys took the piss on multi-million dollar deals yeah they stole their masters threw them in a river in minneapolis with a note that said prince please save us that's just one of their one of their stories so yeah. back to the album they're pretty fucking tight so following that up is laid down clown i don't it's I'm my note on it says I'm so indifferent to this song. I mean, it's yeah, fine. Me it's it's a coke song, but like it, it doesn't make sense. But yeah, it was it was, honestly it was there. It's it's kind of like Dose of Thunder. They put it on the album, um, so Bob Stinson could play guitar over it because he was in such bad shape with his alcoholism that they had to do something to keep him in studio, um, and that was it. I do love the 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 lyric that the only exercise you ever get is the shakes. Um, <laughs> yeah. And again, that's I'm, that's a jab at Bob, but. Um, but yeah, that's that's why those two. It's funny you mentioned those two songs because they're the easily the weakest two songs on the record, and that's exactly what they were put on there so they could lock him in the studio so he had, he could solo over something. I mean, that's the thing is the guitars are sick on it. The guitars are sick, yep. and I'll I'll get into the instrument the instrumentals afterwards because I think there's a very funny thing about it, and I don't quite not a producer boy but i do appreciate a good sound once in a while because a lot of songs i listen to are from i've moved and it's like a genre thing for me a lot of the music is but um the, my favorite song on the record is left of the dial um it is so sick and it's a love song in a way where it's a love song about a girl and it's a love song about music and like that i mean there's a lot of songs about how people have, how couples have favorite songs. There's a lot of songs about that phenomena itself, but he's, it's, it reminds me of some of my favorite romance movies where it's like people don't just love each other because of the way they look or the personality. It's because they love their work. I, lo I love a good romance movie where the one is enamored with the other one's work. There's um, a French romance movie where the, this chick is enamored by this woman's painting the, the way she paints and the process of it. And even though he's, he's, he can't see her. So he's tuning into her, her music on the radio because he feels that much of a connection with her is it isn't just about her. It's what she makes, which mm -hmm. adds this other dimension, because I mean, that's, I love people's work that I'll never meet in my whole life. And they could be total dickheads, but they have their work and their art that I can love too. And, but it's also is this like song about yearning to meet this girl again. And it, it ends in a way where he's like, if I can't find you, I always, I can always try and find you on the radio. And that is such a, uh, I mean, you can write a new fucking screenplay. Maybe I'll go ahead and write a fucking story about it. Cause it, it is, it is such a, I'm a romantic and it's a very romantic idea. And it's, um, uh, 
great and the the instrumental on it's fucking fantastic too they, they yeah. play their asses off and little mascara um i really like this song too there's, there's oh, yeah. only a couple um little um self-contained story songs on the record there's only a couple of those mm-hmm. and this is the best one on here it's wrong the next one's the best one on here this one is the second best one on here but it is it's this song about coping about like kind of getting your shit together because he's just like and, until the end when it's like okay um when they change the chorus up but it's just about this woman that's kind of got what you're supposed to want and the it's funny because the way the song is written he's like slightly mocking her because like mm-hmm. all you're losing is a fucking mascara you're just crying <coughs> a little bit but you've got what else you wanted but to this the person that song's about it doesn't mean much that that she's only losing mascara could it matter less to her um but and then of course in the end it says like oh it's like oh you wanted this and then it's like oh you wanted a boy that'll scare that mom won't like and so then it's like oh you kind of you kind of had it coming you kind of fucking did it to yourself huh buddy which is funny because they are self-sabotagers and Mm -hmm. this is a song about a little bit of self-sabotage but they just make that clear toward the end they don't want to know that at the beginning they want it to come Mm -hmm. full circle which is a nice little way of kind of having the listener turn its have their opinion turned against the 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 protagonist of the song because you're like oh poor them and then you're like you had it coming motherfucker yeah, I, I'd, I'd love that, you know, all you ever wanted was someone that Maude be scared of, you know, and you, you got what you wanted, you know, you hooked up with a bad boy and wow, they're a bad boy he, for a reason. You know? Bad boy shit. <laughs> tiger went tiger, you know, and that's, you know, but yeah, it's, and also just someone who will take care of you to rhyme with little mascara is just brilliant writing. Really? Oh yeah, move right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's like that's like that's well beyond the cheap trick book of rhyming. I mean that's like that's like incredible rhyming on that. But yeah, no, I and, and, and I will agree with you because he, you know, this was really kind of where Westerberg was getting his songwriting. Um, you know, th- this is where he's figuring it out, and um, for sure. I mean, you know, androgynous was a character written song, um, and a brilliant song that could have been written yesterday. That song's um, fantastic. I fucking love that song. Well, you, I mean, it's like written from the Bible of Lou Reed. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, dude. you know, I mean, it's, it's perfect. And it, and, and it couldn't be more prescient than today. Like literally this day today, it couldn't be more prescient than that. But that was really one of the first songs that he really wrote a character um, on, on any of it. And, you know, this was, you know, again, kind of a character written story where I actually developed a character on it. But, um, yeah, I that this song when I used to listen to the album the first time, I used to skip the song a lot. Um, I just didn't really like it. I didn't really pay that much attention to it. All the, the guitars are whales on this one too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's, it's really an incredible yeah, it's an incredibly strongly written album, uh written song on this one too. Yeah, it's actually become one of my favorite songs on the album. And the ending track, which is yeah. a great song for the album to end on. I don't know that it, this is a song it has to end on. Um, is a song about being the only guy at the bar, being the last guy at the bar, having no place to go to but the bar, knowing you're a loser, being away from everybody, 
and the feeling that happens because listen, I haven't spent I've spent rookie numbers, a bush league numbers of hours at the bar, but there's times where I go to the bar and it's like it's why why are you here? Why are you you don't need to be here? You just don't know what else to do. And <coughs> the song there there's a this is um, it. I've said this all about four songs. This is pro- maybe the most well-written song on the record where he has yeah. a line about you used to live in a house or at least live in a home. Now you live in a house. Are you ashamed? No, now, now I stay at the house. Now I stay at the house. I used to live at home. Now I stay at the house. He has that line. It's even more depressing. It fucking is. Um, sorry, I couldn't make up my note. Oh, it says fucking heartbreaking lyrically. Um, the line about God rest his guts, God rest his guts, which is so it's like the sentiment is rest in peace, but that's not what he's saying at all. He's saying God rest his guts because this guy doesn't quite deserve to rest in peace. He's made of guts at this point. He's an organ man. He's not a man with a soul and thoughts and he's guts rest his guts, which is all that's left of him. Yeah, it's it's funny because so like Cheers came out in 82, huge show. Um, <clears throat> and whenever the character Norm would walk in the bar, that I'll yell, Norm. And so like me and my friends were like, that'd be awesome that if we could walk <laughs> into a bar and they'd be like, they'd yell your name. You know, and that was like the title song, you know, where everybody knows your name. That was like the the theme song from Cheers. And so that was like a goal for us. We like, you know, we go walk into a bar, they're like, hey, Art, what's up? You know, whatever like that. We're like, it's so cool. And the guy that played Norm is a huge Mads fan too. Um, hey. Now you listen to it and you're like, that's actually the most pathetic thing in the world. It is. Fucking it's, I... it's so, it's so depressing that, you know, that's all this guy has to live for. He can't cut the grass. He can't rake the leaves and he's got an excuse for everything um, about it. And he knows it. He's self-aware of it. And that's the most heartbreaking thing because he'll be back tomorrow. You know, and it is this song is a gut punch of a song and um, it is beautifully written and uh, it is just such a great show of the growth that Westerberg had as a songwriter. And, you know, I would say arguably got better from this point in time. There's, you know, there's some dissension amongst Matt's fans about that, Um, that yeah what a what a perfectly written song that is also um i'm gonna say probably borrowing is a gentle term oh knocking on heaven's door yeah that was borrowed a little bit yeah chord progression um so uh you know another thing it's again you know, I mean, he he grew up in in Woody Guthrie's classroom and stuck and cheated off Master Dylan for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just it's a great closer for the album, and it's uh, just everything about it's fantastic. It, yeah, it couldn't. I mean, I'm a George Harrison fan, so I can't bitch about plagiarism. I mean, I I, <laughs> I I just don't believe in that. And funny enough, I realized that the the character in this is very similar to the guy is very similar to the song we talked about in the Lost episode about the perfect blue building. So this song is similar in a way where the, the character, the addict, the self-destructive is self-aware of what he's doing. And that's that's really what hurts the most is 
whenever you know what's what the fucking problem is. And we actually yeah. that the discussion that you the thing you said about being having someone in the bar, that was a thing me and my friend discussed. We went to the bar and they said, Hey, what's up? Well, what's up, Seth? And I was like, Oh, Jesus fuck, dude. This is bad, isn't it? This isn't cool. <laughs> this sucks, man. I wanted people to know my drinks, and now it's like, what does that say about me, huh? Um, I watched a, a review last night and and I wish I could shout the guy out. I I don't know who he was. He's wearing a a gray beanie if you watch it. And he reviews the album. And he reviewed it in a way, honestly, that I have never, ever listened to this album the way that he reviewed it at, at, at all. Um, he has basically the the character. He's got it being a very character-driven album. Um, and the character from track one to Here Comes a Regular is the same character. And he's the guy that lived like through all these songs. I don't necessarily agree with it, but that's the, the beauty of music. You can take it however you want to. I can kind of see how he got to that conclusion. Yeah, I um, can see that. But um, it was an interesting way because I, I was listening to it and I even told Beth, I was like, I never thought of that in a million years. I never took it that way. Um, but, you know, this guy did and that's how he liked the album. He enjoyed it. So, you know, good for him. That's the, the beauty of music. You can listen to it however you want to. But he had the character go through like recurring things on the songs and everything like that. And I mean, it was interesting. It was a good video. Him, it is named like a character name. Yeah, that's I mean, that's kind of he brought that point up too. Um, it was kind of interesting, you know, the thought process on it and everything. But, um, but, but again, um, so I'll I'll throw it back to you so we don't go a thousand hours tonight. Um, what are your thoughts on the album? I, I do really love it because most of the rock that I'm into that's come out in the past years, like Carsey Headrest and uh, Radiohead to a certain extent, as far as like the sensitivity, honestly, what, when I was listening to this, whenever you gave it to me, I was listening to Ed Norton talk about what Brando did for Hollywood, as far as what characters people wanted to play. And before Brando, they wanted to play the suave gentleman, but Brando brought this like raw masculinity combined with this, um, sensitivity of being in touch with your emotions, being this tortured, sensitive, emotional, but also masculine guy, because that is most of the people that, I mean, that is what guys role models are now. It isn't like this suave gentleman of a thought, like, you know, it isn't the leave story to amen. It's you want to be the best you can be. And that requires you to be in touch with the emotions and be in touch with the sensitivity that the human experience has to offer. And so it's, again, it's, I've just listened to the music that came after this. So it doesn't, it isn't like a revelation moment listening to this, but it is very clear to see just what this had to do because it's bringing forth the kind of sentiment that comes through like on some of the not even the Beatles but like I mean the Strokes just bleeds of because the Strokes are punk but like they played their first shows so their backs to the audience because they were too embarrassed to be on stage and Carcia Headdress he he doesn't dance on stage he, he made all his albums in a, in a fucking car because he, he didn't want to go to a studio I mean so in that way I definitely appreciate the record in a very high regard and i do i do listen to it just because i like the songs on here because there are a lot of terrific songs on here that are very catchy and got good hooks and have got great lyrics and whenever paul writes a good line he really fucking writes a good line he really crushes yes. it and so i mean i would recommend this album to people that 
are into rock, if you like the Strokes, if you like Radiohead, if you like Carsey Headdress, if you like the Arctic Monkeys, then you'll dig this. Unless you like the later Arctic Monkeys stuff, in which case you're not watching this video because you suck. But um, <laughs> most, I mean, yeah, no, I, I, I do really, really like this record. It, it's terrific. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's just one of those little bands that could and they chose not to and probably a lot of that was affected by alcoholism and and being scared and being afraid to fail um because they tried again it, it, you know down the road but god what a great record and god what a great band um alcoholism thing makes sense man fuck it up north that's what that's that's how it fucking goes man i do want to yeah. make it known that the Italian music critic, notorious as he is, in opinion, sometimes as bad as he is, has given Tim and Let It Be both a higher rating than any Beatles project or any album that any members of the Beatles ever made. <laughs> so this guy really digs Tim. Yeah, you actually, you'll be hard pressed to find probably a more critically um, acclaimed band that you've never heard of in the replacements. Um, every every critic praises them, um, and they're they talk about their influences and everybody. Chris Robinson from the Black Crows, when Nevermind came out, actually has a pretty famous quote in Rolling Stone that said uh, Nirvana made a pretty good replacements record there. <laughs> um, they're they are massively critically acclaimed, and, and for very very good reason. I can't. Uh, tell the you know the people are watching this enough um find this band it, it won't be anything you've never heard before okay because they've, they've influenced so many bands um i mean peter buck from rem played on the first album they're probably the the prettiest version of our of uh the replacements that existed was rem um they knew how to do it correctly commercially uh not a knock on their talent whatsoever uh but they weren't scared of success and they achieved success uh and uh this this particular group the minneapolis sound at that time was uh was a big sound um i'm not a huge fan of Husker Du, but they're another band of this time that was amazingly influential um if you've mm, the, if, yeah if you, the Husker Du thing makes a shitload of sense it makes it Husker Du, yeah Husker Du and the mats kind of had a kind of a blur oasis kind of a thing um at that point in time um that it, it didn't get so bad between the band members, but it was for the fans of them. You were a fan of one or a fan of the other. Uh, but, you know, that's where like Soul Asylum came out of, you know, a really good 90s band. Um, Paul Westerberg actually wrote the first three singles for the Goo Goo Dolls. Um, again, oh. another another band that I'm a big fan of, but he wrote he wrote their first three songs, um, did production on them. The Goo Goo Dolls, if you're a fan of them, again, I know it's that's targeting a few decades ago. Uh, but the Goo Dolls are a cleaner sounding replacements. Um, but their influence is, I mean, it's it's on their sleeve for sure. Um, but it, just a really, really good band. In my humble opinion, probably one of the top 10 American songwriters of all time. Um, and Paul Westerberg, and I know that's putting some pretty lofty stuff up there, but I'll I'll die on that hill. I think he's that good. Um, and uh, again, I'm I'm 
pretty big fanboy when it comes to them. So, but if you listen to their stuff, I think you'll enjoy it. If you do go do some Spotify stuff, the first three records they have out are completely different sound. They're very, very punky albums. Um, that's kind of what they, what they grew out of. Uh, but if you've ever listened to a Green Day record, if you've ever listened to a Blink-182 record, if you've ever listened to uh, any any rock band that doesn't sound like a big rock band, I promise you either they or their parents were big Replacements fans. This is and- 100% the blueprint for all pop punk music where it's sensitive, I get sad, but it's also hard sounding stuff. Yeah, with good songwriting. That's 100%. If you like Radiohead, you'll like The Replacements. If you like Fleet Foxes, you'll like The Replacements. If you like Arcade Fire, except for the last couple albums, you'll like The Replacements. Um, It's just, man, they're, they're a national treasure. And just unfortunately, when it comes to popular culture, nobody knows who the hell they are. About there was something I was gonna bring up, but I totally forgot to. Sonically, and this might be a very hot take. So I don't quite know how a lot of production tricks work, but the guitars sound like guitars. The guitars sound just like regular mm-hmm. ass guitars with some mm-hmm. distortion and some not a ton of reverb, but like distorted and loud. Right. The bass and mm-hmm. the drums reminded mm-hmm. me a lot of unknown pleasures joy division drums and bass where it's very very like the drums are like almost muted and like tuned down it feels they aren't like taking a center stage and the bass is very deep and reverby mm-hmm. is that an apt comparison or if i just not listened deeply to percussion in the 80s no so um this is kind of one of the one of the arguments about the uh, or one of the complaints about the album tommy ramon produced this album Excuse me. From the Ramones. From the Ramones. He produced the album. Um, the bass player and the drummer were brothers. Um, there was there's always been a huge gripe that the album sounds really tinny yeah. because of the production style. Because that was kind of the sound that the Ramones did. Okay. Lots of guitar, da 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 um, and a muddled uh drum tone to it because the drummer wasn't great <laughs> and so they tried to they tried to muffle the sound and kind of put the bass uh the bass sound to it with a where you don't hear the notes you mm. just hear the bass yes um to cover up some shortcomings of the musicians um and that production style bled into this album um that was probably the biggest difference for the mats fans when Please to Meet Me came out because it was actually produced cleanly and you could hear the stuff. But by that point in time, Bob, unfortunately, was out of the band, the guitar player. Um, also, to kind of circle back, a lot of people think Here Comes a Regular was written about Bob Stinson also. Um, but so that's when you listen to Please to Meet Me, it's actually really clean. And you can hear a lot more stuff. And as you listen to the albums going forward, the production style is a lot cleaner. But um, that was part of that's part of the, the the conversation between Matt's fans is when the reissue came out, it was brightened up a little bit. You could hear a little bit more besides just guitar. But um, 
that's always kind of been one of the arguments. So no, you're, you're not wrong on that. You can't, the, the percussion is, is kind of drowned a little bit. And the bass is really more of just a tone as opposed to notes on that, because that's kind of how the Ramones recorded. So that's how they recorded the album on this. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense then. I'm not even the biggest Sweet Vision fan in the world, but I was like, this reminds me of post-punk stuff. <laughs> and I guess this is post-punky. This is definitely post-punk. For as sure. far as culturally, it this 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 does indeed come after punk. As a response to punk music, it feels as if. And that blends seamlessly, like we almost know what we're doing on this, and we clearly oh, don't into the shit. next album that I'm giving you. So we're going to stay in the 80s on this one. And we are going to dive into, and I would say that this is also appropriate, what's going on in the world and all that. That's a lie. Um, it's just a... Oh, no, you're not. You're not. Okay, wait. You're, you're not going to give me the record you're giving me. I know you're not. Maybe. We're going to go to 1980. No. London Calling by The Clash. Ah. I know you own it because I bought it for you. I do own it. Um, I don't think you've probably listened to it because it's a double album, the whole thing. Uh, but um, and no, I wasn't going to give you God's to give the Sex Pistols now. I'm not that I thought you were going to give me The Queen is Dead. I was like, you know I like that record. You know, because then I'd have to listen to it again. <laughs> and Christ, I'm not going to do that. Um, uh, but uh, no, this is... I, I'm curious to hear what you think about this one. Uh, again, you can listen to it on vinyl um it is a uh it, it is a without question classic album um but i'm curious on your thoughts on it and uh i've got some kind of interesting thoughts on it as well so that's it london calling clash word i've actually i actually come slightly more familiar with it because grace was playing it on her radio show on a uh, truman media look up truman media dot edu network it's on there somewhere it's actually on in an hour i'm going to listen to it um but so i became a little bit more familiar with it, but i still listen to the whole record more than half a time so i'm definitely sure. looking forward to it. i know the class is uh the shit i know that mark ruffalo's character when he told sunshine of the spotless mind is a big clash fan so maybe i can be a cool clash fan like mark ruffalo too um the hulk's never wrong the hulk is never wrong dude so Keeping in with, funny enough, um, I was an idiot earlier. I realized that I looked up on Google Triple X to find the album on Wikipedia. I forgot that Triple X also means porn. So now that is <laughs> on there. Good excuse. <laughs> made, a, made a grave mistake there. So funny enough, these actually, these two records came out in the same year. Um, I almost, you're going to, okay, the week after next. You're getting fucking death grips. I'm tired. So, so that way, so that way you can understand. You can be like, oh, I get it. I get it now. The only question is me which one. But we're going to give you a record that is a very, the tides are turning. Summer's over. It's autumn time now. It's time to get chicken broth. It's time to have fucking apple cides instead of beers. So you're going to get um, a record that is very important to my development as a young lad and uh i'll tell a story about it when we get there but it's going to be helplessness blues from 2011 by the fleet foxes which when okay. it's like fleet foxes you'll dig their placements i was like motherfucker how did you know what i was about to give you 
but the replacements is not the replacements, sorry. The fleet boxes are so comfy. And that's all I'll say. I think I'll dig it. I think I'll dig it hardcore. Okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Oh. We will uh we'll check it out and hopefully we will uh not have such a long gap between this video and the last God. video. Only if I knew how long the gap was between the video that we lost in the video before that one, because this has only been like a month or two. Then it was like three months and then we lost this one. So it's actually been forever since we uploaded a new video that was recorded. I've been in this new place for fucking three months almost. And this is the first time you're seeing it. So if you guys know any, uh, people that can do tech recovery for free uh, let me know because i need them badly <laughs> please <laughs> yeah and i said on the last video um the lost video uh that on the gnr uh gnr video someone said that uh, you know we liked i liked the video but i wish you guys would talk more about mm -hmm. the album and um you know what i said was these have a tendency to go really long and seth honest to god does everything on this i I do nothing except spout whatever I think about stuff. And he does all the production. He does all the editing. He does all the artwork. He does everything on that. Um, and we try to keep the videos as short as possible because we would like to have people actually watch them uh, and not tune out after five minutes. And so he does a lot of editing. I ramble on a lot. Uh, if you want to hear like the long form version of it, um, it is on Spotify when it gets uploaded and doesn't crash also um and we do get into the albums in a lot greater depth i think the guns and roses one is probably the best long form one we've done uh because that was we gnr and mad villainy right yeah yeah and that, that, that was a deep one we went deep on and that. we discussed the albums we actually challenged each other on some stuff um so and they're like they're like two plus hours so i mean it's if you got to drive somewhere and you just want to listen to us ramble on about some stuff um check it out on that uh that format because we do get into it a lot deeper and you know on the videos what you'll see is probably like maybe a third of what we talk about um and sometimes we actually say funny stuff too i know it's hard to believe but um for everybody that's kind of stuck with us and and you know we are glad to be back i have a video posted uh we will redo the promised uh mia and counting crows one um here shortly we'll get that up uh on that but again we appreciate everybody that watches it thanks for taking some time out to listen to us ramble on about stuff and uh until next time and hell it might be 2023 with the way things are going with us who fucking knows dude the only thing you can guarantee on is we're not gonna stop making these goddamn videos i won't i, I refuse to stop them try me we're we're gonna keep going and the overarching thing is listen to the freaking replacements they are phenomenal. Good, you will good. love them ish. So until then, peace. God save the king.